0: Thanks for tuning in to localjobnetwork.com radio, where you can find all of your favorite employment-related shows. I'm Katie Chesney, and you're listening to Executive Decisions, a show where we bring in CEOs, presidents, and other high-level executives from a wide collection of businesses to discuss what goes on at the top of the food chain. Today's topic is entrepreneurship, and we'll be talking with Scott Datman, CEO and co-founder of StoryLab, about how he made the switch to entrepreneurship and how others can follow in his footsteps. So, thanks for joining us today, Scott. And I wanted to start things off today by asking you what your definition of entrepreneurship is.
1: Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm, Thank I'm you. glad to be here. So, my definition of entrepreneurship is really uh, the continuous pursuit of a better way. And I know that that's sort of broad, but it's broad on purpose uh, because I really believe that entrepreneurship can manifest um, in business, uh, but also, you know, in in nonprofit organizations, um, in Academia, and I mean, even in the way that you, you know, clean your house or drive to work. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's just sort of this, you know, this yearning to to find better approaches to to solve problems, right? And and I think that that's something that can apply, um, you know, in anything that you're doing. Mm -hmm. And and I think, you know, the pursuit of a better way is just sort of understanding that um, there's almost always a better way to do things, and. You know, just sort of being willing to think outside the box and to take some risks and um, to challenge the status quo. And, mm-hmm. and I think all of those things kind of, you know, I guess, meet at this point of entrepreneurship. And, and, and so, yeah, I, I think, you know, the pursuit, the continuous pursuit of a better way. I, I wanted to try and come up with something simple. So I, I think that that's a, that's a, that's a, a fair definition.
0: Awesome. Now I know that you have a background in politics. Could you tell us a little bit about that background, and if you have any, if you had any experiences early on that kind of helped you become an entrepreneur?
1: Sure. Um, you know, I, I started my uh, political uh, endeavors, I guess, uh, in, in the nonprofit industry. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, starting things uh, on on uh, the college campus, UW Milwaukee, mm-hmm. um, starting some organizations, being part of some organizations that that worked on things like. You know fighting for lower tuition right. um, or you know addressing uh, environmental concerns or or what have you or addressing hunger and homelessness in the area and from there i I landed a a job uh, wherein I did fundraising for um, an environmental nonprofit and basically I talked to people on the street and and tried to raise money to support energy related initiatives okay. um, and you know it's uh it was a a fantastic experience it was one that um that was very, very difficult. It was mm-hmm. one that I think a lot of people wouldn't be able to do. Um, okay. I basically, you know, would talk to people on the street and, you know, try and uh, engage them in in topics about uh, energy and and the environment. Uh, and, that, you know, with the end goal of, of raising money and having them become a member in this mm-hmm. organization uh, and uh, that would contribute to, you know, research and, and other things. And after doing that for a couple of months, I ended up uh, being ranked in in the top 10 nationally. I was number two. I was behind a guy in Manhattan. <laughs> I think the financial standards are a bit different out there. Um, yeah. uh, but that really, you know, I, I guess gave me, uh, I think, a, a really firm platform initially in, in, in how to be an entrepreneur because it was this idea of you literally have nothing, just go mm-hmm. out and make something, you know, th- this idea of uh, of humility. And Walking up to people and asking them a question, and then you know getting them to trust you and believe mm-hmm. in you and believe in what you're doing, and really just showing them the passion that you have for this. Because ultimately, you know, the passion is the, the thing that you can't teach, right? right. It's, it's that thing that um, it doesn't matter how many books about startups and entrepreneurship, uh, you you read, you can't... It's
0: internal, something that you have to have yourself and foster yourself.
1: Absolutely. So do you feel
0: like those experiences in fundraising and with nonprofits really helped you, like maybe give you an edge on being an entrepreneur?
1: I I think it certainly um, gave me some some skills that were necessary. And Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that to be an entrepreneur, you need to do those things uh, or do what I did. Um, But I think for me that that was important because uh, that, that was... You know, that was effective. And then you know, on top of that, just you know, working in political campaigns, basically trying to operate with, with very, very, very few resources and, mm-hmm. and pull everything together and, and just be totally invested in a cause. That was also a phenomenal training ground to just right. sort of learn how to do it all.
0: Mm-hmm. So I've heard a little bit about colleges kind of expanding and developing majors in entrepreneurship. Did you have any experiences with that when you were in college? Did you take any classes? Were you a part of any entrepreneurship groups or competitions?
1: You know, I actually, um, while I was in college, I, I didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish that I, uh, I wish that I would have. Okay. Um, uh, since the time I've left college, one of my uh, business partners uh, was actually just finishing up his his, uh, his degree at, at UWM, so we actually did participate in a couple of competitions. Okay. Um, there was uh, um, the the new venture business plan competition okay. uh, and a couple others put on by the Lubar School, mm-hmm. and you know those were uh, fantastic for us. Uh, mm-hmm. We we. Uh, did well. Uh, you know, we That's won good. some start. Yeah, we yeah. won some startup funds. Um, but I think even more important than the money that we that we won from those uh, from those organizations were were the uh, the context that we made mm-hmm. and just and just the insight that we received from uh, some of the professionals. I okay. mean, you know, you have people that have real world experience in in entrepreneurship and. Mm-hmm. In business and and you know venture capital and what what have you and you know you basically give a pitch to them and they read your business plan and they they tell you how it is you know they tell yeah. you, what, you uh, what they think and and that was really invaluable for us because mm-hmm. um, it's one thing to have an idea that you think is great um, but, but others
0: <laughs> need to support it right. and say hey you know that is a good idea yeah absolutely so. Some advice for our listeners would be to definitely get involved in any competitions they can, whether or not it's a college competition or something just out there, a nonprofit's putting it on. Just get involved because you're going to make valuable connections, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. And and our director of operations uh, who's here with me today, uh, Sammy, is uh, she's involved with an organization uh, at UWM. Uh, I believe it's the it's CEO, the mm-hmm. College On- Entrepreneurship Organization. Um, and uh, you know, organizations like that, getting those like-minded people together and and fostering that energy and that passion and learning from each other is mm-hmm. is incredibly important.
0: Now, what was the turning point in your career when you were like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I have this idea, and out of that de- idea, really came Story Lab. So where? What happened and how did this idea come out of it?
1: Sure. You know, it's funny. You know, we were talking before and I don't think I woke up one morning and decided that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I don't know that many people do. Um, What my experience was, uh, basically, I... I, I acknowledge that there was this this real life problem, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that problem is uh, is literacy. right? Okay. you know, one out of four children in the United States struggle to read, mm-hmm. and that's a really startling statistic. It is um, definitely, and you know, especially you know, the National Institute for uh, Child Health and, and Human uh, Human Safety um, uh, indicates that the reading is the single most uh, important skill necessary for a happy, productive, and successful life. So, sure. You know, with reading being as, as important as it is, and you know, sort of the, this this idea that we're not doing as well as we should be, um, I, I, I identified that problem. and That's a problem I've been aware of. I think we're all aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually it, uh, it it took my my wife uh, Lauren and I um, have uh, a, a son at home. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's six months old, so we recently had a baby. Uh, and around the time we learned that we were expecting, we. Um, we started talking about all the different things we were going to do as parents, and we we're going right. to be the greatest parents in the world, <laughs> right? Um, but we one of the conversations that we had was about uh, was about some of the the books that, that we read when we were children that we remembered and really appreciated, and, and some of the books that really helped us, you know, learn how to read. And, mm-hmm. Um, The book that she talked about was a book where the little girl in the story was named Lauren Mm -hmm. and how she just thought that that was the the coolest thing in the world. Sure. Um, The little girl didn't look like her. The setting wasn't the same, but it was still, you know, really impactful.
0: So she related to it.
1: Right. Absolutely. And then, you know, I sort of followed that up with, you know, my experience uh, was a a book that, that, you know, the the, the child wasn't named Scott, but a a story where uh, uh, the main character um, resembled me, mm-hmm. um, so my, my dad always said that it looked like me when I was little. When I was a little kid, and and, and because of that, I loved that book. I sort of thought that it was about me, right? <laughs> yes, and,
0: right. <laughs> and and
1: so that was the book that really helped me learn how to read. So mm-hmm. this idea that you know if I could you know take something you know really impactful from from that experience, and if my wife had a similar experience, I had this you know sort of this question that came to my mind. You know, what if every child um, had a truly relatable experience when they were learning how to read. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it turns out I was onto to something um, and we did some research and it turns out that when a child can relate to to the content of a story, be it the illustrations or the name in the book or mm-hmm. the setting um, or, or even the, the theme of the story, that the opportunity to promote early, early literacy increases by 85%. Wow,
0: that's yeah. huge.
1: Absolutely. So really my decision to be an entrepreneur, it was more of a decision to 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 not stand on the sidelines, mm-hmm. it was more of a decision to to sort of jump in and say that the stakes are too high not to act. Right, and, and um, so I started, you know, just doing. And I mm-hmm. would say that you know, in terms of recommendations for for other uh, you know budding entrepreneurs, just you know, I, w- I would say just start doing. There's
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, the list is going to be 100 pages long of all the things that you need to do at first. But the best advice I would I would give people is don't sit on it. Just mm-hmm. start. Start, start doing, doing
0: start making things happen. Right. So now what steps did you take in your career to make this this happen and to make it become an actual vision where that's what you were doing full time?
1: Well, you know, at the time that I had the idea, um, I was uh, working as a director of marketing at a local advertising agency. Mm-hmm. You know, good job. I was I was married, uh, owned a home, you know, uh, I had a baby on the way. So it wasn't really the ideal time for me to, to venture out and sure. start um, a, a new business, but I started just, you know, working on the business uh, whenever I had free time, you know, mm-hmm. nights, weekends, um, lo- a lot of sleepless nights, just, you know, working through the night. And one of the first and probably most important things that I did is I got help. Uh, right. I, I identified um, someone that, that could come on board and, and help. And he's now our chief technology officer, John Mose. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been a friend of mine since we were, uh, you know, reading these kinds of books. Right. Um, and he knows, you know, he's sort of a, a technological whiz. And so he helped me launch things initially. Um, and and then as things started to pick up, I, I left the ad agency and went to a position uh, as a, basically as a, a marketing consultant for mm-hmm. a company that would allow me to work from home. So I would have, uh, you know, more flexibility and more opportunities to do what I needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, slowly, I just kind of slowly weaned off, uh, off of that. And I still do that occasionally. Um, but now, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's Story Lab that's that, that is taking Your it primary the primary right.
0: focus. Yeah. So did you found a partner to help you within this success, right?
1: Absolutely, yes.
0: Awesome. So, now do you, would you recommend that for most entrepreneurs to find that partner to have a good support system when you're starting this business? Y-
1: yes, 100, uh, and and for multiple reasons. I think it's important to to have sort of that partner that you can rely on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because there are going to be some tough times, uh, and there's so much work to do that it's not. Really feasible for just one person to do it, um, but it's also a, a good sort of reality check too. Because right. that first partner you have is is your first customer. Mm-hmm. Anyways, you need to go and pitch this idea and and make them a believer. Um, sure. And and I knew that if I went and I pitched this to John, that he would tell it to me how you know give it how to me how it was. It was. And yeah. and, and, uh, and if I could if I could make him a believer, I knew that I could make other people a believer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that yeah that was vitally important and. And everyone has their own skill set, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, now I, I talked to uh, a gentleman who, uh, who's worked with many startups, and, and he said that most startups uh, have, um, have sort of three positions. Okay. Um, and, and there's uh, usually the person who comes up with the idea and, and sort of the front person, um, mm-hmm. and they're considered like the hustler, right? So they're the person who goes <laughs> out and hustles and brings in business mm-hmm. and, and you know, is, is high energy and you know, is, is doing all these things. Um, and then there's sort of the developer, which mm-hmm. is like the web guy, the technical guy who can put the X's and O's together, uh, you know, behind the scenes. And then there's a creative person who can sure. contribute to the look and feel and 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 make a brand. And and I think at least initially, um, John and I sort of shared the creative role because I do all of our illustrations uh, and mm-hmm. and write our stories. Um, I'm getting help with that now, which is great. Yeah. Um, but um, but John, yeah, so John and I sort of shared the creative role because he designed our website and, and other things. But then I definitely you know embodied that hustler role mm-hmm. uh, and John definitely env- embodied that developer role. Um, and, and we had worked in on political campaigns in mm-hmm. the past and, and that it was sort of a natural thing for us because you know when I had run for office he helped me behind the scenes a great mm-hmm. deal um, and and I was sort of the person out there talking to people and, and that's sort of where I'm most comfortable. so sure. so it, it was sort of a natural fit. but I think each startup or each you know new business kind of needs those roles. And those different personalities to, to really make it go.
0: Sure. Now what do you find most exciting about this process?
1: I mean, it's that's really quite simple. I what I find in, in incredibly exciting is the idea that we can literally change education. We can revolutionize <laughs> education by helping more children learn how to read, you know, better and and and, and faster. Okay. Um, and you know, like I said, there, you know, one out of four children struggles to read. If we can make that number one out of five, mm-hmm. one out of six. In, in ten years, if we can make it one out of ten, right? The amount, uh, or I guess the the impact that we could have on society as a whole is is huge. And mm-hmm. I mean, because you can't do chemistry if you can't read, right? Exactly. You can't do algebra. You can't learn biology. Mm-hmm. You can't read the Declaration of Independence, and mm-hmm. um, all things that you should, you know, probably learn how to do at some point. Um, sure. And so this idea that we can sort of build this this uh, this groundswell mm-hmm. of, of you know, children that, that are successful readers and early readers that that enjoy reading um, mm-hmm. that can then, you know, sort of parlay that success into all these other academic endeavors. I mean, and this may be a stretch, but I, I say this frequently, we may be able to um, sort of unlock the puzzle of reading for a child mm-hmm. that goes on to cure cancer. Sure. And if, if we weren't there, and again, this is, a, you know, <laughs> making some big assumptions here, but if we yeah. weren't there, then, then maybe that child never, you know, really
0: would have achieved that level of greatness. Ab-
1: absolutely. So that's, sure. I mean, it, it's hard to, to not get excited about that. It, mm-hmm. It's it's one of those things where I feel like, you know, I, I can't think of a better way to spend my 24 hours than, than to, to work on a cause like that.
0: Awesome. Now, on the flip side, what are some lessons that you've learned there during this process that maybe if you'd gone back, you would have done a little differently?
1: You know, I um, <laughs> the first campaign I ever managed, uh, the, the guy who was the candidate was a, a former lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army. And his mm-hmm his job in the army was like strategic planning and everything. Sure. And he used to always tell me, um, you know, Scott, if you want to go fast, the first thing you need to do is slow down. Sure. Um, and, uh, and he had this like deep booming voice. And so you listen when he said things. About, sure uh, you did. Uh, right. <laughs> um, but I think that, that that holds true here as well. I mean – the, the urge is to go 150 miles an hour and I think that that's good and you want to do that and you To wanna, have
0: that sense of urgency but you need to slow down rein it in a little bit and really apply yourself right so you have a quality product when you're first stepping forward
1: absolutely and and you know you you need to to be conscious of what you're doing and not rush into decisions mm-hmm. and and you know not I'm not saying sit on things forever but at the same time take it take a second and, and I try and do this every day uh, still I, I try and take about five minutes where I remove myself from the business entirely and i try mm-hmm. and Look at it objectively, sure. and, and and look at it like a like a business owner, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, or like an investor would look at it, and, sure. and try and try and assess where we're at, you know, what we're focusing on, um, because we still find ourselves, you know, going down wormholes or getting into the weeds a little bit on things mm-hmm. that aren't really that important at the time.
0: Sure, definitely. Now, can you give us give our listeners some advice on how to turn an idea into the beginnings of a business?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, as I said earlier, I, w- I would say, you know, just kind of. Just start doing um, mm-hmm. and, and start making some mistakes. Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing that um, I think, uh, the biggest misconception I think that most people have about startups or about uh, entrepreneurs is that they, they have this long string of just uh, flawlessness, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they don't make any mistakes. And, and the only way that your startup is going to grow and get better mm-hmm. is to make mistakes. So, you know, if you have an idea you know, go. You know, grab coffee with a, a couple different people that you trust and that you think are, are smarter than you. And you know, <laughs> and 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 pitch your idea and and sit back and let them try and tear it to pieces
0: because mm-hmm. that'll only improve your idea, and make it better. So right. not only make those mistakes but make them and then learn from them.
1: Absolutely, because every I mean, failure isn't bad as long as you learn from it. And mm-hmm. and and that's that's something you need to get used to as an entrepreneur. You need to get used to failing, but then sort of. Not letting that affect you too much and and, and mm-hmm. staying true to that cause uh, th- that you're trying to achieve and and just sort of say, okay, I failed, but you know if I can if I can look up, I can get up and 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 we can keep moving forward because now I know how to not fail this time you sure. know in, in this area
0: so you're very passionate about this and you're very passionate about Story storylab and everything, but do you really love being an entrepreneur
1: that's a that's an interesting question um I, I think I do um, you think you do <laughs> It's one of those things where, you know, um, I, I love running StoryLab. Mm-hmm. I love uh, being the CEO of StoryLab because I love this idea. And I and I, and I I love the cause that we're working towards. And I I can't, I guess in some ways, I can't imagine being an entrepreneur without StoryLab. Sure. And I, th- I think that if you ask most entrepreneurs, that's what they would say. You know, they, 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 they m- many of them would just say, oh, yeah, I love being an entrepreneur. But I think you don't set out, again, I don't think you set out to be an entrepreneur. I think you set out to... To make a dent in the world, sure. you know, to have an impact, to to be remembered, if you will, to to help people, to do whatever it is that you feel like you can do, and if you're doing that, then you're going to be happy. I mean, Definitely. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's. I mean, initially, it's all I did for fun. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's hard not to, to to love that. Really
0: love it. So how do you find time for yourself and for your family to carve it out from the business, and not just? just work because you can't do that that's not healthy so how where how do you find this time and how do you separate yourself
1: you know that that is uh that is a challenge and I think a lot of entrepreneurs uh, you know struggle with that mm-hmm. um, you know i I, I definitely uh, would would tell any um, you know budding entrepreneur that um, there's no such thing as a work week or a work day. Mm-hmm. Um, being an entrepreneur is a lifestyle. And so, like any other sort of lifestyle, you need to make that work with your life. I mean, mm-hmm. it's part of who I am. You know, it's I drink coffee in the morning and I'm you know, and that's part of my my daily routine. It's part of my existence, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and being an entrepreneur and, and running this business is part of my routine. So I, I purposely go out of my way to sort of uh, uh, separate myself, uh, you know, at times from from things. You know, I'm lucky to be married to the most remarkable woman in the world mm-hmm. uh, who understands my craziness uh, and 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 doesn't get mad at me, uh, you know, for being crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but, you know, the, the other thing is, you know, having, uh, you know, a wife that I'm crazy about and, and you know, the, the coolest uh, son, my son's name is Henry, having the coolest son in the world, you mm-hmm. um, know, makes it easy to kind of keep things in perspective. Because I acknowledge that there are times where I need to put the computer down or I need to, you know, turn off the phone or the iPad and I need to just focus in on that because I can't be any good as an entrepreneur if I'm not a good father and not a good husband and not a good mm-hmm. friend. Um, you know, John, like I said, John is my business partner, but we still make a point at least like once a month of getting together and doing something and not talking about business. Sure. You know, we go grab a beer or grab a meal or something just because, you know, it's important to not lose sight of that friendship as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, But it is hard because I want to be doing it all the time. Um, but at the same time, you can't sacrifice those other things that are, you know, vitally important.
0: Sure, definitely. Now, do you have any final tips for our listeners today?
1: Uh, I guess I would just, uh, you know, again reiterate and say, um, stop, uh, stop waiting. You know, just I start mean, doing. Just start doing. I mean, I there were there were ideas that I've had in the past, and I waited on them, and I, you know, kind of dr- would drag my feet, and then, um, you know, would just sort of go away. But if you have an idea that you really believe can, can make an impact and it's something you feel like you could wake up every single day and, and you know, work tires, tirelessly to pursue and, and you know, um, you're willing to be told it's a bad idea, you know, by some right. people and, and you're willing to fail and you're willing to take a risk, then, then it's an idea that, that can succeed. I mean, mm-hmm. because, you know, every new business, every uh, entrepreneur starts out and makes some changes and you tweak some things. But just right. having that passion to, to solve some problem. And uh, and developing an idea and, and you know that 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 faith that you can do that um, mm-hmm. I think is is integral. So I would say if you have that idea and you can't stop thinking about it, start making things happen. I mean, there's there's like I said, the 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 list is a hundred pages long, but but uh, you don't get to page two unless you you know do point start one. Start so, doing yeah. So yeah, just just you know act 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 and. And you know, use that passion. Don't be don't be afraid of the passion. Um, mm-hmm. Be confident in what you're doing, but also be willing to to learn and to uh, to listen to others and, and just just go. You awesome.
0: Know? All right, everyone. That's it today on Executive Decisions. Thank you for joining us and sharing your expert advice, Scott.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, to find more employment-related shows, head over to lgnradio.com. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future shows, email me at lgnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Once again, I'm Katie Chesney with LGN Radio, and I'll see you next time.